Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Troy Richards, the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri. I'm joined by our worship pastor, Daniel Mawson, and we're glad you decided to join us today. This podcast was created to show how all of God's Word leads us to a better understanding of Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior and Lord. Our church is working through a reading plan to read the entire Bible in a year, and each week we invite people to share what insights they've learned and what the Holy Spirit has revealed through the reading of God's Word. We'll also address some questions, some serious, some that are a lot of fun to talk about, all from this week's reading. And we pray that you will see how amazing the Bible is to read each and every day. And by us sharing some of our highlights, we hope you will be inspired to read it for yourself. You can find our reading plan and read along with us at www.firstbaptistjackson.com. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Daniel. I'm here with Pastor Troy. Hi, Troy. The COVID-19 edition. Theme song for the pandemic. That's right. Daniel and I are quarantined together. That's right. We're stuck. Just stuck doing podcasts. 18 days straight with nobody to look at but Troy. It's it's such a blessing. That's right. A steady supply of Mountain Dew and (laughs) some type of cookie that we have. So send cookies. <laughs> Something well, like that. So bring bring food. If you're out there, if you're listening, bring food. <laughs> uh, well, we're here just kind of going to go over the reading as we do. It um, is. Uh, this is a great week because we have um, uh, we've De- Deuteronomy. I'm just going to be honest about this. Wait, section. wait, wait. Don't tell me. This is like your favorite passage. You know, I'm going to say it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe a little digression here. Uh, but uh, Deuteronomy is it's kind of like a review. It's like Moses is saying, mm. "There's going to be a test, and so let's go back over <laughs> everything. We, let's go over back over everything we learned in Exodus and Leviticus, and rehash all of that, and uh, really just a refresher course." Uh, so I'm, you're getting ready to go in without me. Just want to make sure you remember everything we've already talked about. And so he does this. That's really all he does for the next several chapters of Deuteronomy. And uh, and then Psalms, of course, the Psalms are always great. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Proverbs, some nuggets of wisdom. But the real meat of this week's reading is in the Gospel of Luke. Luke. Because Luke uh, finishes out a incredible uh, opening chapter uh, where uh, we learn about uh, the birth of John the Baptist, obviously, as we're preparing for one of the most well-recognized passages of Scripture in Luke chapter 2, where we get the Christmas story, uh, even Ooh. though it's Christmas in March. March. Um, well, but it'd be uh, April. April. It'd yeah, be April Christmas in April. This, yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> and I was thinking, is it April Fool's? No, it's the day after. Oh. But uh, anyway... Uh, but yeah, Christmas in Christmas in springtime. Uh, so we'll go through the the birth narrative, and but also uh, this week uh, it goes into uh, the, the genealogies and then also the beginning of Jesus's ministry. I guess that's where really the neat part about the Gospel of Luke is. It has kind of this here's some backstory, kind of a prologue, uh, and now here we're gonna boot off into uh, this is the ministry of Jesus as told to. My most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus. So, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I hope that uh, you are enjoying 
your time of extra time that you've been given. Some people have been laid off. Some people are uh, just having to stay at home for whatever the reason. Uh, I hope you're taking advantage of these opportunities to read God's word. Uh, we mailed out uh, the April reading for everybody. So um, the March reading was on the back. Um, if you do not didn't get that mailer, it's all online, right? They can go yeah, to the website. you can website. go right to our website. Yeah. It's right there. FBCJ.us, and there is the reading plan. And, uh, and you know, this is a great time to get excited about reading the Bible again. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things that's kind of a a, a story that never gets old. So. Right. Well, and what, is, what do people keep saying? You know, like, I don't have time to study the Bible. I don't have time to establish quiet time. You got nothing but time. Yeah. Now. And yeah. so if you're new to the podcast, the whole point of the podcast is, is we're trying to help you get excited about reading the Word to show you there's some really cool stuff in here. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to mine out some of those really interesting things in this week's reading. Cool. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to go over the some devotional times we've had. We might iron out a couple less clear areas or just some thoughts that we had through the reading. Um, That's right. And if you're thinking, man, they never asked the right questions, well, there's something you can do from your quarantined uh, bunker that you're living in. Send us a question. Send us, I, send and, us anything. Yeah, we'll send, take it. Right. We love comments. We just want to know there are people out there that are <laughs> that are paying, that are, sitting that, here are, that are enjoying doing life or whatever. Yeah, and. Uh, but send us questions. And if it's not about this week's reading, go ahead and send us the question. We'll file it away and bring it out later. But uh, but if you've got a question about um, a, a reading that's coming up or something you've read in the Bible or always uh, that was a mystery to you and you'd like us to address it, we'd love to hear from you. So send it to us. Yep. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. Back. Ready to go. So... In the never-ending ping-pong game, Pastor Troy, you want to serve this time? Sure, I'll go first. Um, In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 4 through 6, he says, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this Mm -hmm. land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that uh, he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. <laughs> and I love that. He is just, Moses is like, let's be super clear about this. And the God is speaking, of course, to Moses, uh, that this is, that I'm not, a lot of times we get in this picture that the Israelites are these really good people and and so uh, he's giving them this land. So it's like, I have the right to take what is yours because I'm better than you are. But that is not what is happening. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's never God's nature. God's not just out wiping people out to give. It's not, And definitely not looking at the church thinking, we deserve what bad people have because we're good and they're not. Mm-hmm. That is not what he said. We're, we're also the stiff-necked people, if you're looking <laughs> for an analogy here. But what he is saying is, is that I'm punishing these people because they have not obeyed me and I'm using you to carry out my judgment against them and I'm going to bless you as my people but I'm I'm trying to reward your obedience and I'm going to deal with these people who have been obstinate toward me if you act like them I'm going to do the exact same thing to you <laughs> 
a prophecy which was then fulfilled later on when they became exactly, in fact, God says they became worse than the people they had drove out of the land. Uh, and so he did the same thing to them. He took the land away from them and put them into captivity. It just shows us that it's not our righteousness, is it's not the good things that you and I do every day that God is saying. Because uh, I think sometimes we get, I'm, I acted really good today, and then God blessed me with a great day. Mm-hmm. And I acted really bad the other day, and God cursed me with a really bad day. Well, the reality is you never deserve the good day. <laughs> you, you probably had the bad day coming, but you never really deserved the good day. It was just uh, so good things do happen to what we would say. If good things didn't happen to bad people, none of us would ever have good things. <laughs> so that this is kind of just a, an, a reminder that it's not because of our righteousness that God is blessing us. It's because he's gracious. He's just a gracious God. So question, um, this this isn't on the script. We don't actually have a script. We have pieces of paper and Bibles. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't planning on asking this, but since you since you kind of brought it up. Okay. So we're reading a lot in the Psalms, right? And yeah. David, just about every time he puts his pen on the paper, he's saying, God, I have been righteous. Why aren't you <laughs> That's right. blessing? You know, why aren't you protecting me? Or like, or maybe not he's questioning God, but maybe he's saying, God, okay, I've been righteous. Now I need you to take care of these bad people. Yes. Um, so what would then our response be to David when God is outright telling the Israelites, if I come through for you, it's not because of your righteousness. But David's trying to draw a correlation, it seems like, in the Psalms. It does seem like that. And and one of the things to always bear in mind when you're reading the Psalms of David is that they are Psalms of David. It's not God speaking to us right. directly saying, is is you have a man who's just like us saying, here's how I see this. Uh, he also looks at God and says, where are you? Or you're absent? Or why have you forsaken me? When we know that God hasn't forsaken us or whatever. But this is David saying to us, this is how life appears to me. This is this where it all seems like it's gone wrong. It seems like you're doing good things for bad people, and I and I've been good, and you're not doing anything good for me. Uh, and it seems like these things, but uh, so that's the nature of the Psalms. And so when you're reading the Psalms, you understand that it does that is the nature of how, of the writing that he's doing. Um, there is truth to be garnered from that, but it has to be taken in in context with the whole of Scripture and what Scripture communicates to us. And and there is there is a a, a an idea of that David is saying, I have been faithful to do everything you have asked me to do. Therefore, I should receive the promises that you have promised as a result of being faithful. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that statement. If you are being faithful to obey God as he has as he has explained for you to do, you can expect God to be faithful in doing what he has said he will do as a result of your obedience. And there and there are the, there are many things. That's like in James when he says faith without works is dead. It's not that uh, our faith doesn't equate to something. He says the prayers of a righteous man will avail much. Uh, so it, that's again he that's a promise from God. He's saying if when we are doing what God when we're being obedient living in the righteousness that God has given to us, that when we pray, that those prayers are effective. That is the order that God has given. But again, that righteousness doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. It's a grace that's given to us. He gives us the life to help us to be righteous. We are. Ne- and Paul says that it's by grace that we are saved and, and not a result of works that we don't have the we have no right to boast. So it, it's really just about coming before God humbly and realizing this doesn't originate with me. Everything that I have that's good originates with God. Yeah, awesome.
Awesome. Yeah, that's that's your turn. All right, yeah. bing bing. Back to you. Um. Okay. So I guess I'm gonna kick off in. Um, you mentioned that Deuteronomy is kind of a um, a summary, and I've noticed that because as we read, it's like, oh wow, like Deuteronomy four last week was such a like the whole chapter seemed like a summary of God's character, and then yeah. um, just every chapter just seems. I like Deuteronomy so much more than Numbers. It just it just <laughs> almost takes the highlights. Uh, and numbers was good, but taking the highlights and just mashing it all together um, into one final run. And I would you, ask Moses that. I would say, Hey Moses, now that we have Deuteronomy, do we have to read Numbers really and Leviticus? To, do we have yeah, to keep that that's right. A, someday, someday. <laughs> um, and in Deuteronomy seven, um, verse nine, I'm gonna gonna kind of turn there, but um, it actually echoes something back in Exodus where it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. Um, and just, I think, I've, I was told once one time that this is the, um, next to the Shema, hmm. um, this is like the like pinnacle of Jewish like things. They would like sing this to each other. This was the first actual I think song that Moses, they believe Moses kind of taught the people right. um, that you would always sing back in Exodus um, 34, 4 and 7. Um, so um, I don't know. That's cool. I just, I can't imagine singing something like that. Um, but it is, does kind of have like a, a timbre or rhythm to it. Um, and just that what their culture back then, how they would take like just an attribute of God and just repeat it to each other. And we are out of that practice. I don't go up to Pastor Troy all the time and say, hey, Pastor Troy, God is so good. He's been so good to us. You know, you think we do that because we're pastors in the church, but (laughs) that's not, that's not just part, this is not part of, does it not happen? Does it not happen? Right. That's just not part of human culture right now, at least in America. And um, I think it's something we lost and something we could strive to be better at. Um, which is, you know, I could walk up to any one of you listening and say, just talk about the goodness and the majesty of God, and that that wouldn't be weird, and that wouldn't be awkward, uh, yeah. but would be just normal part of conversation. I think, I don't know if the Jewish culture culture ever really nailed that either, um, yeah. but based on my reading, it doesn't seem I'm like gonna it I'm going to say, did. yeah, I'm going to say based on what we read. <laughs> uh, but I think that was the goal, and I think that's what heaven will be like. And yeah. so I don't, I don't see why we couldn't, I, I think that that would... Yeah, and, and, it, and, and for it to be genuine, you know, yeah. for it to be genuine and, and not something that fake that somebody's just saying it because they because they are, yeah. feel like they're obligated to say yeah. it. Yeah, I but, just feel but like. An, but I'm just a natural outpouring. And I know people like that. I yeah. do know people who are so filled with the spirit and so in tune. I can tell people who've communed with the Lord in the morning and they've gotten up and they've gotten the right perspective in the day. And um, and I think that's one of the things that maybe we should just take a moment to emphasize how important it is to start your day in God's word and getting his perspective for the day. Mm. Oswald Chambers has uh, a thing where he says, devote your dawns to God. Uh, and just to, it's a natural place where you where the, the day the, the the light is breaking into the day. That's a great time to then break into the light of God's word and and really just be praying and saying, God, give me your perspective for the day. Help me to get started in the right direction, and then and then you begin to see everything that comes forth in the day as from His hand, and and where He's at work, uh, instead of not. George Whitfield used to say that he, or it's either George Whitfield or George Mueller, one of the two, maybe George Mueller, said that he would keep his Bible and and study materials beside his bed because he said the distance between his bed and the shower was too much opportunity for Satan mm. uh, to get in, to get into his head, and. I, 
but having that perspective where we we get up and and think ah yes god has i think those people when when we're in that vein of thinking then it is a natural point to say how good God is. Isn't God amazing? Right. And, and then being able to give illustrations. Right? Yeah. Instead of, are there any praise reports? And then you hear crickets chirping <laughs> and going, ah, let me think. I'm, yeah. Well, I think we naturally just overflow with things that we're knowledgeable about and things mm-hmm. that we repeat, repetitively do. You know, I can talk to you all day long about what I'm doing at work or what I'm doing with my family or what Marvel movie I've seen lately. Right. Um, but... Um, if we're not constantly... What Marvel movie have you seen lately? Dude, which one haven't I seen okay, lately? Right. Uh, but yeah, just what we are knowledgeable about, what we know intimately is what we talk about. And if if what I'm used to is talking about who God is and how great he is, and if I'm, what I'm used to is spending time in his word, then that's naturally going to come up. Yeah. You know, there was a, a there have been long stretches of my life where I did not was not as faithful in my daily reading and uh, and you can go weeks, sometimes months, not not really devoting yourself into His Word or spending that uh, a good quality time in prayer, and and not realize that you have not been in His Word for a long period of time. And all of a sudden, you uh, you you think everything's normal until you go back to His Word, and then all of a sudden you're like, how did I how did I survive yeah. as a follower of Christ without not Having this time, and I know there are a lot of people who um, I would like to think a lot of people are listening. A lot of people who aren't, who aren't listening <laughs> to the podcast, we're not even talking to, right? Now. But a lot of people out there that you're encountering every day who are thinking that everything is good, everything is great in my life, everything's good in my marriage, everything's good with my children, everything's right between me and God. But it's only because they haven't uh, spent time in God's Word. Mm. Uh, Psalm 37. He says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends and his descendants are blessed. So that was one of those passages that like, wow, is that is that real? And, you know, here's the thing. I don't I don't have any empirical evidence to show that God's followers uh, never beg for bread. All I know is this. Everybody I know who's been faithful in my life. Uh, God takes care of them. Mm. They've ne- I've never known them to want for anything. And, and I, when I say that, I mean this exactly like this, that God called them to do something, and when they are faithful to do what it is God called them to do, he provided everything they needed in order to do what it was that God called them to do. And and I believe when he says, you ask me anything in my name, I will do it, that's exactly what he's referring to. I gave you a mission. Everything you need to do the mission I've called you to do, I will give you that. I will give you the food you need to get through this day. I will give you the rest that you need at night. I will give you the, the, the education that you need in order to do it. I will provide all the resources that are necessary. Uh, sometimes it's not what we think we need, but it is what um, it is what we what is necessary in order to accomplish what he wants. So mm-hmm. that's always been true for me. That's good. I right, bounce back. Is it, was that one? That was me. Yeah, that was oh, you. Man, that, yeah, you just yeah, sorry. weaved it so greatly together. I'm not prepared. Okay. Um, if I were to, we might jump back to Deuteronomy a little bit, but um, jump forward to Luke. Um, chapter 2, we're talking about, um, in this, towards the end of it, talking about Jesus as a kid um, and how he, uh, you know, he, we all, most of us know the story. He gets lost from his parents. They wonder where he is. They go back to the temple and he's there talking mm-hmm. to all the older guys about um, God or presume, you know, yeah. talking about the law. And uh, they are all amazed at kinda the wisdom like, that he shows. Kind of like people were with Daniel when he was little. Like when me, yeah, when I was little, I was one of those people that were amazed. 
um, and and still. Um, but uh, no, I uh, yeah, when he was when he was you know almost I get the picture that he was coming back and one upping in the yeah. the religious leaders in a way that they were that they knew that this kid was somehow speaking above their level. Yeah. And um, and so. We had just, I guess, last week we read in Mark how the religious leaders, the Pharisees, had all gotten together and decided to kill him because they were jealous of him. Mm. And I guess I was wondering, this is kind of a question, um, sort of rhetorical, but sort of a real question you can yeah. hone in on, um, if maybe – if these guys were the same guys that – or same at least – generation of guys that jesus could have been talking to in the temple that they would remember this kid who we don't even know who his real dad is according to what they were thinking um this questionable birth child one-upping us in the temple now he's grown up into this man who we're all jealous of like could this have all been building on itself is that maybe why we have it in the the gospel of luke i'm gonna say uh that's neat um, <laughs> more so when you're reading Luke, um, Luke is Luke is a historian. He's not one of the apostles. He's not even a Jew. Uh, he's a God-fearing Gentile and and is gathering all this information. Uh, a companion of uh, Paul in his missionary journeys. So he he is just uh, this guy who's really the what gives his gospel such uh, such weight is that he's pulling from Mark, he's pulling from Matthew, uh, he's interviewed all these different people, and and here we have this uh, a little bit of uh, it, we have to believe that he, he's interviewed Mary because he's getting things from Mary right. that only Mary would know, right. and so. Uh, kind of before we get into Luke chapter four, when Jesus is baptized and and the Holy Spirit descends on him, Luke kind of it's, in Luke's gospel it's kind of like, and now the ministry begins. And so everything before that are more of these. Wow, some pretty cool things were happening in his birth, uh, in his childhood, to demonstrate that he is unique, that he is different. Insights that we don't get anywhere else in the Gospels. Um, well, with the exception of Matthew, he goes back. Matthew, Matthew's spending the early part of his Gospel verifying that he is the Jewish Messiah. Matthew is a Jew and wants to say the the one that because that's why Matthew has so many allusions to Old Testament prophecy. So Matthew's spent a lot of time saying and and uh, and Luke is really saying to everybody, so this guy is different. This guy he is a, a his mother the virgin birth is focused upon uh, the prophecy of or the the occurrence of John the Baptist, how John the Baptist came to the world, the uniqueness of that and how the baby leapt in the womb when Jesus came, you know, and and so forth. All these neat little novelty things that we wouldn't have. You have a lot of extra biblical literature about Jesus, you know, healing people, healing this and doing these little miracles and so forth. Uh, that's not really included here. But this is that moment, I think, where Luke is saying there was uh, – well, you have already – he's talked about Anna and, uh, and uh, Simeon in the temple. These things that are happening in his early childhood um, trying to show uh, he is – again, he's a unique figure in history – and we already knew that before he ever stepped into the water uh, at the Jordan River. I do think that uh, probably the scene changes dramatically when uh, he gets older. I think I think at this instance, it would probably more – if you think of it like this, it would be more of a they are in awe that a kid comes in here. I don't think, I don't think there's a jealousy factor at this point. 
that obviously comes into play later. But this point is more of a wow, what a what a, yeah. what an interesting thing, you know. Well, if I was that, Mary, that would be if some guy comes, like a reporter comes to me, is like, hey, what's something you remember? Yeah, about Jesus, that would stick out. It's yeah, it, it, absolutely. Because when we lost him, it was a big thing. Yeah. We wondered where he was, thought, and we freaked out, and we go back, and and he said, I, wouldn't you expect me to be about my father's business, as though this were just the natural order of the day? Um, and the thing that is important to remember is, is that Jesus, as a man, is having to acquire all this information. I mean, it's he is having to study as we have to study the word. He's not he he has laid aside his knowledge of all things, his his omniscience um, as God. He's laid aside his omnipotence. He he's laid aside his omnipresence uh, as God. And 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 limited himself to be a man as and experience life as a man as we experience life as men, though he is sinless and and still has the nature of God. But so so he's so he's born. He has to learn language. He has to learn to walk, just like just like every baby does. And here at twelve, he's he's really starting to pour into the law and and but given a perfect understanding because he doesn't have a sin stained mind uh, to comprehend these things. And so. You can imagine someone with just complete purity looking at these texts and giving you insight that your profane brain would uh, would not be able to grasp, and so everybody was amazed by it. So, I, and I think that's I think that's the nature of what Luke is just simply trying to say. He's trying to draw. Um, he's trying to use all these examples to say uh, he is a very unique person, and then he grows in wisdom and stature. And now uh, there's more to the story. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. Are you bouncing back to me? Bouncing back. Okay. Um, taking, uh, going, playing off of that, um, Luke chapter four, where Jesus is taken, where he he goes, he's being baptized, and he's the beginning of his ministry, and uh, and then Satan takes him out. Um, and says the devil takes him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I, I was reading through it this time, and I was like, I, I never really paid attention to details. And I think that's one of the benefits of reading through the Bible each year is that all of a sudden a little phrase that sticks out that you really never never paid attention to before, and it was like uh, he showed him the the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and and so. Um, I don't really – obviously didn't have a video projector. I don't think he pulled out his iPhone and said, let's skim through these really fast. But through whatever power the devil possesses, he takes him up to see everything and instantly shows him everything, uh, the world. And he's trying to show him – look, and, and this is what he says. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish what a potent Oof. message from the devil. Oof. He's like, I have this and I can give it to whoever I want. Now, understand, Satan has only got the capacity to do what he does because God extends that to him. But he knows at this given point in time that he has the ability to give power. So there's a couple of things at play. One is we know that there are no authorities in place that God does not allow that authority. But we also know this. The devil can give those people his authority. God allows it to accomplish his ultimate purposes. But there are kings and monarchs and dictators and rulers. Where do they get that authority? 
the devil himself. Mm. The devil himself has given it to him. Now, Jesus doesn't take the bait, obviously. He's Jesus. And uh, and, and we obviously doesn't fall prey to the temptation. But what the devil is really revealing a lot here. He's saying, man gave me. Back in the Garden of Eden, Adam was Lord with a little L. And he has given dominion over the earth. And in one felt swoop, signed it over, just like Esau gave his birthright to Jacob, man gave his birthright and all all the dominion of the earth over to the devil. Now, Jesus is coming to redeem it, to take it all back and to receive it back. But at this particular juncture in history, Satan still holds the deed. Still, Satan, he is still the prince of the power of the air. And so when you ask the question, why did God allow this person to take power? And why did God allow this person to take power? And he's, ultimately, God, yes, is responsible and he can deal with that. Uh, he's big enough to handle that criticism. But understand also that Satan is the one who we gave all that authority to, and he gives that power to whomever he wishes. Mm. And so he is constantly seducing people, saying, uh, you want power? I got power. I can give it to you. That's right. And I can give it to you. And I'm afraid that people in the church take that bait as often as people in the world, mm. um, that we are don't realize that uh, that power, prestige, that money, that wealth, all the, all the gloss of the kingdoms, uh, when it's offered to us, we really need to be aware that that's probably not God making that offering. That's yeah. probably the enemy of God. How so. interesting that that God then turns around then in the New Testament and says, "Submit to your authority, regardless yes. of where it, of where in the chain it falls." Yeah. Um, because ultimately, even Adam got his authority from God. Right. You know, and so you follow your authority, whether Satan has done what he wants to do with it. Ultimately, it all goes back yeah. tr- to trusting the sovereignty of God. Well, Jesus models that. Yeah. When he, so, I mean, Pilate, he's paraded before King Herod. Mm. He's he's brought before Pilate, and there and Pilate's kind of like, "Do you know who I am?" And Jesus is like, "Dude, <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know who I am?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know who you are." <laughs> it's like, just let's just move on with the process. Yeah. This is uh, this is this is not your doing. This is this is I. This is what has to happen. I'm in this because I determined to be here, and you're not making. Making this happen. This is happening to you, uh, not because of you. And but, uh, but that's the nature of power. And, and the same thing. That's so. Jesus says, "Model me. Don't model the. Don't model Pilate. Don't model King Herod. Don't try to have what they have. Understand, we function within their authority and their power. But the real power comes in in and submitting. Yeah, submitting to them and recognizing that I will then." Uh, when I come back, that I will remove all those places of authority, and all authority will be me. Mm. And wow. and 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 the that do we talk about already not yet tension last week? Thank oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of that when Jesus says all authority and power has been given to me at the end of uh, Matthew. Uh, that's kind of he has that now, but uh, but he has not yet staked his claim ultimately. That's kind of cool in the light of what Satan had said. You know, all power and authority has been given to me. Yeah. And then at the end, when Jesus is triumphant, he says, all power and authority has been given to me. That's right. Um, I yeah, win. I win. <laughs> uh, let's try, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Mm. That's da, awesome. Da, da, da. Okay. 
Um, I had something else. Oh, in the in the genealogy, it's your turn. Did you no, want? You go. You, you go. want to defer? Okay, thank you. I defer my time to the gentleman from Kentucky. Double tap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in the uh, in the uh, let me pull out my Bible here. The in Luke's genealogy. Here is a question that pops up in my mind. Um, if it doesn't yours, I'm going to. I hope mess, I'm not expected to answer. I'm going to mess up your world. Um, uh, the genealogies between Matthew and um, and Luke are completely different. Yeah, they don't match. They do not match <laughs> at all. Now, from David, if you go back to King David and then go backwards to Abraham, those match up. Right. Uh, but when you get past David, for one, David in Luke it says uh, the son of da- uh, Nathan, the son of David. Uh, well, make sure I'm reading the right one. Yes, come on, Boaz, Jesse. Yes, where he says in verse 30, he says, son of Nathan, son of David. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, he's going to say Solomon. So th- those are, that's, okay, so so it's like right David, it's like, okay, was it was it Nathan, David's son, or was it Solomon, David's son? So here's, here's the thought process, and there are lots of thought processes, but here's here's one that maybe you can live with if this is really rattling your cage and, and you've got some agnostic atheist out there who's messing up your world saying, can't possibly be right because the two can't be true simultaneously. I'm not going to just say – the simple answer is is that we think that because Luke has this connection with Mary that he is giving the lineage of Mary, it would make sense. He's already just said he's gone through a lot of trouble to show the virgin birth. He's gone through a lot of trouble to show that Joseph is not actually the father of Jesus. And, um, and, and when he starts out the genealogy, here's the little key phrase. He says, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be son, the son of Joseph. So that may be his little, ah. he's not really Joseph's son. And we've already established that from what I've told you in the birth narrative, that he is not the son of Joseph. It was, uh, I think there, uh, there's, Jewish tradition is such that, um, Mary, having been, um, and she could, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong if I try to get into it. Anyway, there's some aspects of Jewish law that Mary could have come under the headship of another father. Um, and so uh, basically, now that she's part of Joseph, she, her, her uh, tribe is being restored. Anyway, I'm, I'm trying to think, trying to because she's technically not uh, she's not a man, and so her uh, you know if we're looking in Deuteronomy and, and Numbers and so forth, you remember we talked about the daughters of uh, had I'm really yes. I'm reaching out anyway. Um, so uh, how they were brought in and said, hey, you guys get married, but you still maintain your tribe. Yeah, right, right. The thought is is that Mary. Gets married to Joseph, and but still gets to maintain her connection to her heritage because there's nobody else to maintain mm. that connection. So Jesus, under uh, Hallie, because or Heli or whatever how you want to pronounce that, um, the um, that is Mary's father or grandfather. And so now we're going through Mary's lineage, mm. tracing back to King David. And so her lineage goes back to King David, as well as Joseph's lineage goes back to King David. That's that's the thought process. So there is allowances within Jewish law and understanding uh, how to maintain your uh, your genealogy. And, and genealogies are extremely important Jewish tradition. But Matthew's purpose was just different 
than Luke's purpose in showing uh, the connection. Uh, if you follow that train of thought, it is really fascinating because it takes us back all to the same place. And and Luke is actually going all the way back to um, Adam mm-hmm. instead of Abraham. So again, Matthew trying to identify Jesus as an authentic Jew, Luke trying to identify Jesus as the replacement for Adam, right. the new Adam. Right. So that's cool. Yeah. So anyway, I had noticed the discrepancy. I don't. I don't need the Bible to be totally congruent with yeah. itself. Um, I think that's as Americans that think really linearly, we we want it to. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. It needs to. It needs to be able to. Uh, well, the the thing is, you just have to believe in faith that it is true and and without error, and it is um, infallible. Yeah. Um, just trying to give you a rationale of thinking. Uh, there are answers that are very plausible that would give us a reason for the two to be very to be different completely yeah. different in fact so cool awesome so um there was another question daniel do you have another thought before i um are you pausing? well deuteronomy if i could go back to there yeah um chapter 13 it talks about if uh, um you know god's saying you know theoretically if a vision were to pop up by a false teacher. I'm going to flip back there um, while I'm rambling here. But um, if, a, oh, here it is, 13.1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder comes true, um, but the motive being let's go and look at other gods, let's go explore the other gods, um, like prophecies and, and signs and wonders coming true, these are like power things that we would normally attribute to like a god, uh-huh. um, or like some cor- some sort of spiritual heavenly being that has power. Um, it says that God is giving them authority in order to test you. Um, and it says that in uh, verse 3, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Um, because the motive of them was obviously would, would be obviously to draw them away from the one true God. So I guess my my... My musing on that is, well, I want, like, how much in the world that's given to us in order, in order to draw us away, in order to bring us from truth, like, things that people would say that seems so right, mm-hmm. seems like this is so natural for this to be true. Maybe it is true, um, but maybe it's put there in place as a test for us to say, are we going to align ourselves with God? Are we going to align ourselves with another God, another thing that looks just as good as right. you know, like nature. Nature is a great example. People want to, you know, not not meet with other believers, not worship with other believers um, on Sundays because nature has just as much God there as He does in the church. First of all, that's not true, but but it has truth. It has God in you know revealed truth that yeah, God has done great things, and you can worship in the you know in the forest, and you can do all kinds of great stuff that is glorifying to God. Yeah. But it does also lead you away from God's best and what God has wanted for you. Right. Um, yeah. And he do, and he does that in our lives. He allows people to come into our lives who offer us all kinds of appealing things. I I, I think that like astrology and things like that. Yeah. I yes. think there, I think there's an appeal to that, and people are like, and it's a temptation to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes he will allow those sayings. To to make sense yes. or well, to line up. Even the Bible yeah. says in that case that the stars were given for signs. Yeah. And and understanding it's like, well, how do I rationalize that with? Yeah. 
astrology versus Christianity, and it's it's yeah, like you said. I think and, and I think he's testing us a little bit to say no, 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 this is still yeah, me, and right. no, and do not do not give yourself over to these. That things. may be true. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but I have also given you clear guidelines yes. that that is not where you're to get your truth yeah. from. So anyway, it's yeah. just a little thing. Yeah, but I uh, I remember going to a fortune teller when I was a young and, and mischievous youth, uh, and um, and and everything that she said seemed to be true. And I remember her saying that she felt it was a gift from God that God had given to her, and um, and so I was like, oh, see, this is a very Christian thing. <laughs> She's a good Christian person. God's given her this gift of fortune telling. She uses tarot cards, of course. You get it at every family bookstore, uh, <laughs> Christian family bookstore, and uh, Lifeway. Don't they have tarot cards? Uh, and so and so I was rationalizing and all this, but then, of course, then you go back to the Word, and it's like, no, absolutely, God forbids that, absolutely <laughs> right. he forbids that. This is he doesn't not a, deny he, the power. That's right, that's right. And so just, so he, he may have allowed that to happen, just testing, are you going to believe this, or are you going to believe what uh, what I tell you is the truth? Right. And, and always, of course, we're to believe the truth. Um, I got one last thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says in Deuteronomy 15.9, uh, beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, oh, and your eye be evil yeah. against your poor brother, and I and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Uh, he's talking about this seventh year idea of erasing debt, and he's saying, and if you can see that you're close to the seventh year, and your brother comes and asks you for help, you he said, do not be tempted to because I would be tempted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading it. And I'm thinking, and as I'm reading through this this plan, I'm thinking, well, what about somebody who comes at the very end, and they're not going to have to pay any of this back? And it's like, so I'm not going to give them anything. It's like, dude, we're two months away from this <laughs> forgiveness. There's no way I'm going to help you. And God even intervenes, and he says, don't be tempted. You right. still help your brother. This is this sounds like a parent, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like your parent going, it's like, I'm not going to help. I'm not going to give him part of my cookie because he didn't do anything. It reminded me of Jesus's. Yes. Uh, parable yes. where you have the guy who comes in the morning and, doesn't and I'm going yeah, to do it for, for hours, you, this yeah. is this is what I'm going to give as a wage and then you got to come in a day later in the day and in the last hour go get some more people and everybody gets paid the same mm. and the people in the morning you're like wait a second <laughs> this, I worked all day and I'm making the same as him and he says look it was not yours to begin with I can give people whatever I want and uh, and that's what God is saying with this with this uh, standard he's saying it wasn't yours. <laughs> he says, I, I, I blessed you and asked you to be generous. And the whole concept of the Sabbath year is I'm giving you twice as much to last you through, or three times as much, really, to last you through this Sabbath year and then to where you don't have to do anything and then can replant it all and start all over again. And he said, and so like the manna thing, he's like, yeah. he's the man, you didn't produce the manna. Right. I, in fact, I sent you twice as much the day before to get it. So don't hoard it for yourself and just give freely. And he's trying to teach us something incredibly valuable, and that is, uh, did you not? Did I not take care of you today? <laughs> Will I not take care of you tomorrow? What do you care if you help out your brother who's yeah. in need? I well, just like want you to be as generous age, as me. He keeps saying things like, you know, they have everything in common. You know, don't mm-hmm. hold, don't strangle your neighbor because of some debt that he's got against you, um, yeah. or debt that you have against him. And uh, and yeah, it's like this whole dynamic is just changing from. You owe someone everything to you owe each other nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I've, I've had I've been in restaurants with other people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, and and they'll get cheated or feel like they've got cheated out mm. of pennies or dimes or whatever, and just will tear into a waitress or tell or a cashier or somebody and like ah, 
blah. And I'm like, seriously, dude, it's like, it doesn't, I mean, you, you are, a, it's all just a blessing. Mm-hmm. What do you care if they got a quarter out of it or 50 cents out of it? You're not the, you know, it's all of a sudden I am an angel of the Lord. And I am brought here to bring justice to Walmart, <laughs> you know, and I am, I am the inflictor of God's wrath. And it's like, that's not our calling. That's not our place. We're to show mercy and grace. And, and it's like, you know, so it's like, uh, and not to be purposefully be wrong, not to be happy about somebody stealing from us or cheating. I don't go out and hand people my wallets. I take what you want. I don't do, I don't think he's saying that at all, but he is saying when you suffer injustice, when you, when you suffer difficulty, just, uh, I think he spelled it out when, uh, when the Roman soldiers came along, they had the right for to ask you to carry their equipment for a mile. The Jews hated that rule, but it was a Roman Roman law. And so you had to, as a Roman, as a person who was under Roman captivity, carry their stuff. And this is what Jesus said. If they ask you to carry it a mile, carry it too. (laughs) The first one's because you had to. The second one, you're showing, I don't have to do this. I choose to do this because I'm of a higher power than you are. Mm. I'm under a greater authority than the Caesar of Rome. And, uh, and, and, and you have a, you have a testimony to share in that. And that needs to be, um, our, so we, we forgive people. We give people stuff when, uh, it doesn't necessarily, when we don't have to. And, uh, and he was teaching the Jewish people at this early stage. He said, yeah, forgive their debt, loan him the money, even though you know, you're not going to get it back because that's what we do, uh, because we are generous like our father, our, our father. It's awesome. And that's, that probably has some kind of application for now during pandemic season, when you don't know if you're going to get that toilet paper back. That's right. You probably right. won't. That's right. So, all right. Well, that's the end of my my notes. That's um, it. All right. Well, we're taking a break. We're going to take and a quick break. Yep, we'll come back and wrap it up. And we're back. Pastor we're Troy, back. what are the closing thoughts? Holy cow. Um, not... No, I don't mean to say holy cow because that's bad. It's Since bail. Actually, down. That's right. Um, <laughs> okay, Daniel, just uh, forget the religious idol references. Uh, we've got so much that's going on right now uh, because uh, we are having to deal with this quarantine, and uh, and and really, it's not mandatory uh, at this point. At the point of this recording, uh, it wasn't mandatory that we had to do this. But here's the thing: uh, we are trying to make all of our messages available online. Uh, we have uh, the podcast or study of God's word. We're trying to create material for children and so forth. So, uh, and trying to get our people to be involved in these um, joint Bible studies. Here's what I want to encourage people. Um, take advantage of these opportunities to grow deeper in God's word. I know that it's popular to watch every conceivable show up on Netflix uh, known to mankind. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, when you uh, are going to stand before God and he's going to say, I gave you 40 days off. What did you do with it? <laughs> and uh, it's like, oh, I mastered all these What's different series. Yeah. Hey, we want to be able, we want to help you. Our job, our role here is to equip and to train you uh, to be ministers of God's word. So we want to, we want to help you to be able to minister. And that doesn't stop no matter what type of pandemic is in the world. So whatever you need, uh, if you do have some needs, be sure and let us know. Contact the church and, and let us know what you have need of. But um, but if you have some ideas about how to grow and how to be discipled, and, and then obviously we'd love to hear those. But we're also offering opportunities to be discipled. Take advantage of those things because this is a great opportunity for us all to grow closer in our relationship with each other, our relationship with the Lord. And that's it. That's it. All right. Well, 
Thank you so much for joining us on the Understanding Jesus podcast. We will see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.